Hello and welcome to Hope for the Introvert. If you've ever wondered how an introvert temperament can be compatible with leadership, then you're in the right place. Join us as we chat with introverts who are leaders and influencers in their various fields. They talk about the challenges they face, as well as the ways they feel their temperament has contributed to their success. Our host is Ben Welk, an introverted leader himself, working as a programme manager in the Information Security Office at the Rochester Institute of Technology. He's also leader of the Society for Technical Communication and a member of the EDUCALS Higher Education Information Security Council Awareness and Training Working Group. You can contact Ben at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at hopeintrovert. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash hopefortheintrovert. Welcome back, Roxy. We'll continue our conversation today. Really not, it's not, you're not talking about being the bright spot of one person's day. You're talking about being the bright spot of each person that you encounter during the day. And it's such a different credo in a sense of a way to live that I think it's a very positive, obviously a positive example for us. Oh, that's a good question. I don't even, I don't know. I know, so Oregon raised, right? I know that I had a a diverse group of friends. I don't remember them being friends with each other, which was always kind of a burden, right? Like you want to have a birthday party, but none of your friends know each other or get along with each other. (laughs) And also, I think, I think I spent a lot of time with adults as a child. I had the fortune of kind of being raised in an art shop, if you will. My grandmother had a, a ceramics shop, ceramics and porcelain dolls, and it wasn't limited to ceramics and porcelain dolls. So she taught in that shop. And this is part of where I got the idea for Grow Your Circle because I started looking back, getting back to basics, looking back to my roots and thinking of these influencers, these experiences that had cast such a bright light on my life. So thinking of the women that came into that shop and and they had such a such a sense of community, they would come in, they had kind of unspoken seating arrangement where where they would set up. And I would just run around that shop. I mean, I was in that shop from uh, the time you could keep the paintbrush out of my mouth until, you know, until we moved to New York, my my mom and I moved to New York. So they were like family, these just hundreds of women in the community. And anytime my grandmother needed something, anytime my mom needed something, there was always, you always knew someone, there was always someone who had something that they could help or a, an uncle or a, somebody, right? So we had a lot of fun there. And then also, you know, thinking of my neighborhood, I had one neighbor who was an avid bicyclist. And when I bought my first road bicycle, not not my huffy with the, with the tassels, he went to a garage sale with me. I was a teenager and I remember he came with my mom and I to help look it over and make sure that it was a good investment, right? I was using my, my first, my first wages when I was like 13 years old or something. And the neighbor across the street was a florist. And I remember 
I would just go up and chat with these neighbors because I had that comfort level with speaking to, I don't want to say to strangers, but to strangers, you know, that I knew were within the circle, right? They were in the shop or they were, you know, neighbors. And I remember being invited into her house and she had let me help her do her florist arrangements. She taught me how to make peanut butter and jelly. I had another neighbor who was a teacher and you'll appreciate this. You're a professor. So she was a second grade teacher, or excuse me, she was a fifth grade teacher and I was in second grade and she gave me the answer key and let me grade her students' math work, right? And so I just, I was like, I was like your opposite of Dennis the Menace, but I was in my neighbor's houses, like hanging out with these adult neighbors and the same thing with the ladies of the shop. My grandmother would also take me to the nursing home. Um, she volunteered avidly in the community and one of the things that she did was to go to the nursing home, although I think she might have been paid for that. Um, that wasn't a volunteer opportunity, but I was volunteering. I wasn't paid. And I know there was one day out of the month that the disability, the folks with disabilities would come in a van. And I think that one she did for free as, as a generosity to the community. But I remember being exposed to people with visible disabilities at a very young age, which was very important to me because for me to do for my son um, as he was growing up, because I think if you grow up without having diverse people that look and, and sound differently than you, it's scary, right? So when you're exposed to someone who's in a wheelchair and doesn't have control of their speech or might have, for lack of a better term, like they're drooling or these things, you might not even look at them or notice them. So it was very important for me to have my son volunteer with me when I moved to New York. So get to answer, that was like a roundabout way, just trying to navigate through my childhood. I think I've always chatted with strangers and had a comfort level. And I think it was because my family brought me out into the world to see different people and not fear difference, but embrace it. And actually like I, I crave it, right? Like I need, I need to challenge myself. I need to experience new people, new thoughts, new things, or I just feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wrote a blog post up a few months ago about saying yes and to leadership opportunities. But one of the things that I found when I was researching the blog post was a quote by Albert Einstein, which, which he says, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. And I think listening to you and talking about your ability to talk to, I will say adults rather than strangers, I think, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but your ability to interact with adults and really be a servant leader in many ways and, and be of service to others, I think is what we're seeing with this. Mm -hmm. And it just seems to be such a part of your DNA at this point that you see, th you see things probably through your upbringing, you see things that I don't think many of us see. We may see the 
person who's acting oddly for whatever reason and see that as somebody we're uncomfortable with and we want to move away from. In some ways, it sounds like you might move towards those people to see what they need rather than shying away from them. Oh, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And I just thought of another example that this is a this is a skill. If someone doesn't have it, uh, you, you, you say that it's unique in me, but if it's something that someone doesn't find that they have, it's a skill to to hone, right? So I there was a program back home and it was called the the Pitchford Boys and it's no longer in place, which is unfortunate, but it was it was kind of like a second chance. So there was boys that were so the Pitchford program was for boys who might have gotten in trouble from anything from theft to violence to you name it, right? And they were they're under 18, so they couldn't go to jail. So they would send them to this ranch that was down the road from my house, and they would serve time on the ranch doing farm work and working with the agriculture there. And when they'd proven that they could show respect and be trusted, it was a privilege to go to school. So then they would be assimilated into the school system and they rode the bus with me. I lived kind of out in the middle of nowhere, already in the middle of nowhere. And so I I got to know them. And there was just always new kids in the program. And you could either be afraid of them and sit at the front of the bus and don't talk to them. And they can be crass, right? They can say things that are rude. But if you jump right in and you get to know them and ask them questions, you really get to understand why they behave the way that they do and what unfortunate circumstances led to their being there. And it was it was such a great relationship have like that I'd have year after year with many of them. I think there was only one of them that ever truly didn't belong there. And he was the only one that ever scared all of us. <laughs> and he was very short for a short time on the bus. But yeah, I think that anyone, I work very closely with our Center for Youth, which serves the homeless children's population. And a lot of people in Rochester don't even realize how many homeless children there are. They, they look around and say, where, where are these homeless children? And they're there. So if, if you don't have to look very hard to see them or when you see a family that's suffering or see a family that talks or acts differently than you and then they have a hardship, are you quick to dismiss them because they didn't have the same things you had and the same advantages that you had? It's definitely a skill that I think people should invest a little time in if they don't feel that they have it. It's, it's just humankind, it's just being kind and, and considerate of don't don't fear a homeless person. I, I don't hand dollars to homeless people. I, I invest my money in legitimate programs, but don't be afraid of them. I think that's another another conversation what um, media has done to make us afraid of 
the homeless population and, and assuming that they all have mental health and they're all going to attack you on the street. But <laughs> that's a different that's a different soapbox conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that one on another segment at some <laughs> point in time. So one thing that is funny about this is that you've identified as an introvert, but we also t- talked about how you were a sociable introvert. And when you were growing up, you were in a lot of conversations with people that the classic, so if there is such a thing, introvert would have found very difficult to even engage in. So it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating how you need the time and the quiet and the space or the books even to recharge, but you're still able to go out and be very, very social. Mm -hmm. So you have definitely built on that skill. Oh, I'll tell you what I miss as a child though, was hours and hours and hours of quiet play. You know, I, I loved building houses for my dolls. My mom did some design work and I always had access to supplies, right? So I was always building houses out of U-Haul boxes and carpet swatches and things like that. And I noticed right away when my son was growing up, um, he's, he's an extrovert. And I noticed such a difference in not behavior, but just he as a very small child needed to be in the same room with us. He did not ever want to play by himself in his room. And I thought it was so strange. I didn't force it, but I thought it was so strange that he wouldn't just play. And I I could get, I could get him playing. And then if I left the room, it wasn't very long before he would come find me and bring his toys out to the space where I was. And that continued on. And even to now, like he will if he's in his room, it's because he's on social media with his friends. You know, he's he's FaceTiming or Snapchatting with friends or he immediately wants to run out and, and hang out with friends. And not just because he's a teenager, but because that's just innately who he is. But yeah, hours of quiet time for me. I would play in the backyard by myself, sing songs, choreograph dances all by myself, right? So I, I saw it at a very early age that I... I I didn't know I needed it until you start working and you start, I don't want to say being robbed of your time, but your time becomes less of your own when you're an adult. No, absolutely. And I'm looking back at my childhood and we won't go into any depth on it, but I also grew up in kind of the end of the bus stop and a quarter mile into the orange grove to get to the farmhouse I grew up in. and. We didn't have close neighbors and I was, and I did have a sister a couple of years younger, but we're both introverts and we could amuse ourselves for hours doing whatever. Ironically, one story that goes with that, the house I grew up in has actually become a museum at this point in time because it's one of the few surviving examples of what they call Florida vernacular architecture. It was built in the late 1800s. And I didn't realize that it happened, but they did some archaeological digs up near the house. And one of the things they actually dug up was plastic Flintstone dinosaur bones that my sister and I had apparently buried in the hope that some archaeologist some point in time would dig the things up and find it. So it was this ability to be amused 
I'm not sure what that says, but this ability to have that kind of play and whether individually or with just the two of us that I find really interesting. And there's always a debate about whether it's nature or nurture in terms of introversion or what that combination might be. One thing that I referenced early in our conversation was that you were really the catalyst for starting the Hope for the Introvert podcast. And I wanted to kind of revisit that. It's pretty recent. It's only a few months ago where this came up. But what were your thoughts around why you thought there should be a podcast like this when there, it's not like it's the only introvert podcast out there? Yeah, I it totally draws from my current influences. So within my circle, I follow a variety of YouTubers and motivational speakers, if you'll call them that, celebrity types. And they're constantly talking about their evolution into how they became who they are. And it's fascinating to me to see the the progress that they've made. And when you were talking about your blog and talking about your work, it just it just fit, right? It just, I made the connection between what I see them doing and you're at the beginning phases of where they were and where they've gone to. I can, I can almost see your path, right? When you were talking to me and also maximizing your audience. Not everybody reads blogs, believe it or not. Right. So myself, I, I read, I don't know if I read blogs, I read books but I more so try to maximize how I'm getting input. And that comes by way of podcasts, that comes by way of audiobook. Although I found it to be dangerous reading audiobooks on the thruway because I also like to take notes. And so I end up pausing the audiobook more more times than not because I can't take notes. But yeah, I just it just seemed like a natural fit to suggest podcast for you because the influences that are around me now are doing it, right? So if you had the same influences that I did absent me, you you would have had a natural progression into a podcast, I feel, as, as well without me. As we've usually found in our conversations, Roxy and I have covered a good deal of ground here and uncovered subjects that we didn't really plan to talk about at all, but which I hope have been of interest to you as listeners. And now you have a little bit about a little bit of the background about why I'm doing a podcast. So if you're enjoying this, you can thank Roxy for her influence on this and her urging me to do it. So again, Roxy, I'd like to thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's such a privilege and an honor to to be a part of your your podcast, and I hope to uh, join you again. Awesome. I think that's definite. Thank you for joining us today on Hope for the Introvert. We hope you feel inspired and encouraged by today's discussion. You can find out more about introverted leadership and this podcast at hopefortheintrovert.com. And if you have any questions or comments on what you've heard, Ben would love to hear from you. Contact him at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at hopeintrovert. And join us next time. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You'll love the rewards. From a discount on merchandise to joining the online community of introverted leaders like you, there's something for everyone. You could even join Ben as a guest on the podcast. We appreciate your support. You can find us at patreon.com slash 
hope for the introvert.